yeah, it's an arbitrary endpoint combined with a with a restrictive uh, filter on your statistics. The Blue Jays have the best ERA in baseball. Seems like we're repeating ourselves a bit because there's not a lot of new stuff to talk about with this team. <laughs> <laughs> He stood there and watched it. And you don't want to be shown up for your badness? Yeah. And I don't think that's irrational. I mean... And welcome to episode number 146 of Artificial Turf Wars. We asked Edwin Jacksons to start our show, but he was busy doing something else. Uh, I am your host, Greg Wisniewski, and I am joined... Uh, as is a, a constant in my life by Joshua Housem. Josh, how are you doing? <laughs> oh, I'm glad I can be such a big part of your life. I'm good, thank you. Steady Josh, that's what we call him. Okay, I call him. Okay, not really. Oh, my goodness. We we had another week of Blue Jays baseball, and I'm going to try not to add an adjective to that. Um, we, that's uh, probably good for your sanity. Yeah, Lord Scurriel <laughs> Jr., he's hitting well. He's settled into left field defensively as well, so we're going to talk a bit about that. Uh, the Jays do lead the American League in ERA if you uh, put the right qualifiers on that. So, uh, yeah, we'll talk about that too. Um, Jordan Romano, new addition to the club because uh, the guy who we like to rave about, Ken Giles, is not feeling the best. He's a little under the weather in a baseball sense. Aaron Sanchez is feeling fine, but not doing so fine. Uh, we are going to talk a little bit about the corner management has painted itself in, into vis-a-vis the starting rotation. Uh, we do have your questions, and we do have a gold star for a man with a big bat and a big mouth. Uh, we, we shall begin with uh, Lord Escurial Jr., because we like to start on a positive note. How's he? He's been doing well. How well has he been doing since his return? So entering today's game, he since returning, he's hitting three ten with a three sixty five on base and a six ninety slugging. Hmm. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, those those add up nicely. That's like above yeah. average. <laughs> Just a little bit. <laughs> um, so we've talked about how he's always going to be a streaky hitter due to his free swinging ways and he's obviously on a hot streak right now with five home runs five doubles and a triple in that span which is a little more encouraging because his power not just hits mm-hmm. and he also has five walks since coming back so you know again it's a, it's a small sample size it's 17 games but the signs are good and when you're in this lineup hitting like that really stands out yeah. Uh, actually, I watched him uh, just the last inning before we started recording uh, take another walk. I was including that one. Okay. Man, yeah. you're way too up to date for me. You're supposed to just read <laughs> off of a page like all the uh, like uh, Buck and Tabby do, and then, then we can uh, add to it. But no, you're way ahead of the game. Uh, yeah, it, it stands out because nobody in this lineup is doing anything. No. But, you know, let's stick with the good for while we the short sure. amount of good that we have to talk about at the moment. Because the Jays did not win this week. <laughs> um, so left field. So, yeah, left field has obviously worked out much better than second base. Yeah, and this this is the interesting thing about this. Because well, we've talked now a couple podcasts about it. It always seemed like he was destined for the outfield from the moment he signed. But we didn't really know how he was going to take to it. Because he's basically learning 
on the major league level. He's learning on the job. And he made a fantastic catch against, was it the Yankees? Um, I feel like it was actually against Diamondbacks, but I know the catch you're talking about. A huge run um, towards the uh, the foul line, right? Yeah, and it was against Arizona. You're right. Yeah, where he uh, he ran, I think it was like 90 feet or something like that, and made a sliding catch, which was really, really, you know, really tough play to make. And in general, though, he's just looked competent out there. Which, if he's going to hit, you know, an 800 OPS, you, you know, or you know, if you're going to be an above average hitter, if he can, you know, over the course of a season, uh, you just have to be competent in left field. They've, they've rolled out a whole lot less than competent in left field in, in good seasons just to get a bat in the lineup. So, uh, yeah, it would be nice to see those two things balance out. And specifically, too, when you look at the way that this team is built from the top all the way down to the lower parts of the minors, there's not really a good sense of where the outfielders are going to come from. Like, you look in the infield, it's like, okay, you got Vlad, you got Bichette, you got Biggio, even guys like, you know, Warmoth, or, you know, like, there's a bunch of them, right? Mm -hmm. Jordan Groshans. You know, they're basically just a bunch of these players out there. Kevin Smith, that we had on the podcast. But the outfield is basically Anthony Alford, maybe? Yeah, because the, so, the, the ship has sailed on Dalton Pompey um, and a bunch of other guys that, that we've been trying, you know, uh, out like uh, you know Dwight Smith Jr. as a you know as it was as an alternative as a fourth kind of guy. He's not in the organization anymore. So yeah, some some of the guys who we thought might have been something sort of disappeared. Yeah, and the upper and the upper minors just doesn't really have anybody who looks like a major league outfielder right now. There, there's some potential guys in the lower minors, but that's a ways away. So. If Lourdes Gurriel can actually take a role as a regular left fielder, that will do a lot to helping the Jays get to the next level. And that level we call 500. Um. Well, I, I mean, actually becoming a good team. I mean, obviously, look, they suck this year. <laughs> like they, they, they might not break 350 this year, which sounds horrible. It, it is. But you know, if he can keep the gains he's made defensively with some of the stuff he's doing offensively like you know again a little more power and a little more patience then i think that there's potential for an actually very solid player there fair so um let's go to the other piece of good news which uh it's one of those I, it's not an arbitrary endpoint but yeah it's an arbitrary endpoint combined with a with a restrictive uh, filter on your statistics the blue jays have the best era in baseball no the blue jays relievers have the best era in the american league in June. In June. <laughs> Which, you know what? If you think about the way this team has played in June, that's kind of shocking. Is it because the other teams don't need to try by the time the relief core gets in the game? Is that... The relief core's in the game by, like, the fifth inning. <laughs> the, 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 the... No, that that's obviously not serious. They actually won some games. and you know, it's But uh, it's kind of a, a thing you wouldn't really notice if you've been watching the games. Because the relievers actually haven't pitching that well. The, you know, the OPS against them is seven seventeen. The the uh, the uh, the Woba against is three twenty one, and it's just like you hear those numbers, and it's like, wait a minute, how there are they possibly leading the league in ERA? It's because they have a strain rate of ninety five point five percent, which is totally not you know due to luck or anything. That's it's a new skill that they've honed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I tell you what. 
if there's one skill you want your levers to just suddenly develop, <laughs> it's the ability to strand runners. Because they're going to see a lot of them uh, at the rate that they're pitching. Uh, okay. Uh, but it, well, one second, I'm just yep. Yeah, you know, a, a part of part of this is that they have had some guys coming back that can get some strikeouts, which obviously is helpful. Like Tim Bezo has pitched very well since returning, but you know like their their walk rate is over ten percent, and their home run rate is over four percent. And well, that's actually amazing, by the way, that their home run rate is four percent, and they have a two point six two ERA with all these base runners. It's just been unbelievably fluky, but kind of goofy with the way everything else has gone. Well, you you should be rewarded. Um with good luck somewhere for the the horrendously run of bad luck in so many other areas where you know a lot of guys are underperforming sometimes you get to overperform and if it's only for 12 days in june well so be it yeah Uh, so they did uh, they put uh giles on the disabled list or sorry the injured list and they brought up jordan romano what can we expect from jordan romano well so jordan romano is those who listen probably remember was actually taken away from the Blue Jays in the Rule Five draft by the Texas Rangers and immediately sent back. He was he, unlike. Uh, oh, I just lost his name. <laughs> Bergen, it, it, Travis Bergen. Oh, Travis Bergen. Uh, he didn't make the major league roster at any point. He just got sent back. And if you look at just his overall line in AAA, you might be a little curious as to why Romano is here. But since moving to the bullpen in AAA, he's been fantastic. Uh, is is he a hard to thrower, as they say? He's what they call a ninety five and slider guy. Cool. Yeah, throw throw hard enough and have one breaking ball, which which is actually why he always looked like he was probably going to be a reliever. Yeah. Teams been trying him out as a starter. The Blue Jays were trying him as a starter for a while. But, yeah, he's been pitching really well lately. He's lost seven outings. He's thrown 10 innings, has 15 strikeouts, two walks, and five hits. Anytime you're striking out like 1.5 per inning, you, I think that's that's going to catch the attention of the big club. Right, exactly. And he's getting a lot of swinging strikes, too, so he's missing bats. Yeah, magical sliders. Um, that's important because he's he's replacing the guy who does have a magical slider. Yeah, that magical slider though apparently has led to some. Is it elbow inflammation? Is it forearm tightness? Is it what? It's the f- elbow inflammation. Okay, because those two things are never the same thing dressed up as a different thing. So that <laughs> that kind of hurts Giles' short term trade value, obviously. Yeah, so he he said that he expects to be back after the minimum ten days. He says he didn't didn't bounce back quite as well after his back to back outings against the Yankees. There's a weird thing with this, by the way. He last pitched on July fifth or sixth, but it was back to July 9th. I don't know why that would be the case. Assuming you mean June, I understand. Yes, June. I do mean June with both those dates. <laughs> a little time warp with Josh. Um, yeah, that's weird. Unless he. Went to the, not that they couldn't have backdated him, but did they maybe have him throw a side session or or do some throwing on that day and and that's when they when he realized but, he hadn't b- bounced back that well. But that still wouldn't make sense, right? The the whole point of backdating is so you can bring guy back as soon as possible. Yeah, and they did not do that, which is a little surprising. But you know, back to Giles specifically, if it's ten days, that's fine, but it still will hurt his trade value because elbow inflammation is not something you ever want to hear with a pitcher. No. 
<laughs> absolutely not. I mean, it. The only thing that it's slightly better than is shoulder problems. But you know, if, if he was if he was on the DL because he he uh, he sprained his ankle uh, or had you know a calf strain, I would be. I would feel like he would have much less of a, uh, a shadow over him now until he returns and shows he's effective for. Again, you got to show you're effective for a bunch of outings because no no team wants to trade for a guy who immediately shows that he's not 100. percent How dare you suggest that a calf strain on a star player going towards the deadline is benign? Ha 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 ha. Um. Yeah. Hey, uh, that's the fear, though, right? This is exactly what happened with Donaldson, where they the the player that was their biggest trade chip. Which you can make this the case that he's a bigger trade chip at the deadline than Marcus Stroman is. I. I don't know if I would make that case, but you certainly can. And last year, that that guy got hurt, and the Jays got Julian Merriweather, who has yet to throw a pitch since. <laughs> that just seems appropriate for 2019. The, well, Josh Donaldson toils away, and is it Atlanta? Is it Atlanta? Yes, it's Atlanta. <laughs> Everybody just goes back to play for uh, Alex Anthopoulos again. I think that's the rule. Yeah, but anyway, so this is the why we were talking about this last week i believe that that we thought these guys would get traded sooner rather than later to avoid this risk but apparently they couldn't do it soon enough well yeah it's a little tough to pull the trigger you know on june 5th yeah especially for a relief pitcher absolutely well it is what it is um so we'll see if he comes back or not Uh, at, at least we're not crying about the games he can't save in the meantime yeah well in terms of the impact on the field other than just he's one of the few people who's exciting to watch, it's negligible. It's just the potential impact to the future of this organization. So hopefully he comes back within the actual 10 days, as he said, and pitches the way he's been pitching all year, or at least close to as well as he's pitching, because it's hard to sustain that. Mm-hmm. Um, which brings us to the other, my other talking point was Aaron Sanchez. Aaron Sanchez has, has put in his innings, uh, but he's he's got a couple problems. Uh, one of those problems is an ERA north of four. Uh, for the year, and the other one is he's walking five guys for every nine innings. Yeah, this is the weird thing about Aaron Sanchez. So it's hard to know what is just him and what is, you know, his his injury, right? The the stuff that he's been dealing with, but because he's never walked people at this rate before, so. You know, it's like, is this is something this a- that it's team that can that's trying to acquire him, or like Blue Jays can say, is the new Aaron Sanchez, or is it? You know, it's, that's the thing. It's just it's hard to say because he's never been a control pitcher, but this is bad. Hmm. And it's not. You know, some guys are wild in a way that you know the strikeouts and the walks both go up a bit as they go that way. And and he's only he's not even striking out you know a guy per inning. Um. So it's it's not like he's he's wildly deceptive or anything like that. <laughs> he's just wild. Yeah, I mean Sanchez has never been a strikeout guy, which was always a little baffling considering his you know his <laughs> the way his balls move and how hard he throws. But yeah, it, it, it's definitely strange. I mean although I guess when I'm looking at these stats a little deeper, his walk percentage is is right where it's been the last three years so walks per hitter not walks per inning and actually not that far off 2015 so this might actually just be what Aaron Sanchez is as a starter but just you know some of the other things are going the other direction 
Yeah. So I, I wanted to talk just briefly about how, like, I, I think we talk a lot about, or we think a lot about the hitting, because the hitting has been absolutely abysmal. Um, there there are now, at the moment, four hitters who are above average in the Blue Jays lineup, and one of those guys is, or the best of those guys, is Eric Sogard. Let's wrap our heads around that for a minute. Uh, I don't think there's a way to wrap your head around that, actually. <laughs> So we'll leave I mean, that behind. No, no, no. Eric Sogard <laughs> has doubled his career high in home runs. And it's June. So if they keep giving him a bat and a glove, he could conceivably be one of those guys who was is on the, the all-time list of how did this guy from go from he can't hit home runs to he hit 20 in one year. It's crazy that we're talking about this, by the way. Yeah. But, yeah, but I mean, but if you look at his stats, I mean, they, there's nothing in them that says fluke. I mean, even he's like he's hitting 280, right? But his BABIP is 304. I mean, it's not. It's yeah, he's taking shocking. Taking walks, his on base percentage is exactly 350. You know, he's just he's just better than he's ever been because of reasons. Yeah. Uh, okay, so I was going. I started this by saying I wanted to talk about the pitching and then I somehow ended up talking about Eric Sogard for two minutes um, so the Blue Jays the pitching gets kind of overshadowed by the fact that they can't hit their way out of a wet paper bag so you kind of give the pitching a pass but a, a bunch of things are off number one the Blue Jays most innings pitched at this point in the season Marcus Stroman and Aaron Sanchez which I would think you would have picked right off the bat their number three starter is Trent Thornton, whose ERA is now floating around five and has not. I mean, he's there because he's there. Their fourth highest innings pitch total is Sam Gavilio. Mm-hmm. Multi-inning reliever Sam Gavilio is their number four workhorse. Number six is still Matt Shoemaker. Tied with Biagini and Daniel Hudson. But still, he's been gone. Actually, that's not true. Panone is throwing 33 innings. Uh, he's number five. Sorry, number. I said number six. It's I skipped oh, yeah. over Panone. Yeah. Again, Panone somehow has been given the the workload of of the you know the long man after Gavilio. I don't know. Do we have two long men? Is that really what's happening? Well, yes, actually, this team does have two long men because their starters, as you're demonstrating right now, <laughs> don't go in again. Are not giving them innings. Uh, Panone has an ERA just under six, and he's still getting the ball over and over and over again. It's mind-boggling how many things have gone wrong. Elvis Luciano strikes exactly uh, out exactly as many as he walks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, talking about Elvis Luciano is almost not, there's not much point to it. I mean, he's he, he averages coming in when the team is down by six runs. And that has come up often enough that he has only one inning less than Joe Biagini and Daniel Hudson. Right. <laughs> Now they 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 both appeared in nine more games, but nevertheless, because you know, Luciano they, comes in and throws a couple of innings at a time, whereas BG and Hudson are one inning relievers. So if, if people are wondering, okay, well that, that that sounds bad, but maybe a lot of teams have had problems. I'm just going to go to the Red Sox, who uh, obviously have a very good starting rotation, but but the way you want it to look is like this: Chris Sale, Rick Porcello. Eduardo Rodriguez, Porcello, Porcello, Eduardo Rodriguez, and David Price are the first four um, innings pitch leaders on the Red Sox. 
Uh, and then you get Marcus Walden, who has only 36 innings, and then Hector Velasquez um, picked up seven starts. That's that's the way you want it to look. <laughs> you don't want three guys, and then some guy who got injured like a month ago. Um, and yeah. then these guys um, all you- have, you know, sales ERA three point five. Okay, we need to keep talking about the Red Sox numbers. It's <laughs> no no one's listening for that. Except Matt Corey. There you go. So how do you get from um, this disaster to something that's stable without warm bodies waiting to come up? There's no real answer to that question. I mean, I mean, I think if there was, then we would be seeing it on the field. The biggest problem is obviously, like they, we talked about this as well. I mean, it seems like we're repeating ourselves a bit because there's not a lot of new stuff to talk about with this team. <laughs> <laughs> Your voice goes up every time you say that there's not a lot to talk about. Yeah, that was intentional. <laughs> Eventually, we people have to slow the podcast down to understand what we're saying. So you know, this rotation was built on Stroman, Sanchez, and then injured pitchers, right? And they got injured. <laughs> Yeah, Brookie's on. We talked about Brookie's on his way back. Buckles is on his way back, but they're hurt. And Shoemaker got hurt. And then the guys that were supposed to be the backup depth, Panone, Reed Foley, Wagus back, who is also hurt now. Uh, they were all bad in AAA. So I mean, they they thought they were putting in an upside rotation with risk, and then. They had backup that was major league caliber ready to step in if those guys got hurt. And then the backup hasn't been major league caliber and they and everybody got hurt at the same time. And now we're down to Edwin Jackson. Technically he wouldn't start today. It was Derek Law. Oh, there was an opener? Hmm. So that's why the second inning went so well for Ed ja- Edwin Jackson. It was the first inning. <coughs> His first inning tends to go pretty badly too. But you know, this team they they created a depth issue with just the way that they built the team, but it's been exacerbated to an extreme degree by just the bad luck of literally everybody that's injury-prone getting hurt at the same time. It's not what you want, as they say. No, and you know, obviously there are reinforcements on the way, so basically they just have to tread water until Buckles and Barucki are back. Well, I hope the treading water goes a little better than the last six days have gone. Just a smidgen better. Yeah, that would be good. Better than no wins. Um, the last time the Blue Jays... Wow. So they did manage to win back-to-back games against the Yankees, breaking that ridiculous streak. Yep. And that's it. That, that's the good news on the win front. And they, they've gotten the other part about the losing is that they've they've lost by six runs a lot. Uh, anyway, we know how bad it is. It's horrible. Um, you think we should take a break here and, and go get some questions that are maybe not directly related to the losing streak and the length of it? Yeah, it's hard to talk about the depressing nature of the way this team has performed for this long. So let's move on. All right, we'll be right back. And we're back after uh, having scrubbed off all of the defeat. It took a little longer than usual. 
We have <laughs> a selection of questions from our deeply interested listeners. Time now to hear from our listeners. That just seems silly. Here are the rules. First I ask a question, then you ask a question. Now how does that sound, sweetheart? Could you repeat the question, please? All right. We have a bunch of questions. Brian Donnelly at Brian Donnelly 8. Well, I'll get the first one. The lineup has a lot of two true outcome hitters, or maybe more like 1.5 as they are 24th in the league in homers. Is the lack of walks the org actively targeting free swingers, coaches pushing an aggressive approach, or the players just being bad hitters? Hmm. Well, it's probably a lot of the first one there. I mean, the, I mean, the first and the third sort of go hand in hat there, the actively targeting and being bad hitters. If you look at the types of players the Jays have been going after in recent years, you know, like Randall Grichuk, Freddie Galvez, Teoscar Hernandez, Brandon Drury, even to an extent, there are a lot, there are Billy McKinney, guys that can hit for a bit of power or do something, but don't walk. Yeah, I, I think that they assigned a value to those guys who who don't walk with the power and strike out, obviously, a ton. <clears throat> and maybe that valuation was a little off, that they, they assigned a higher value than maybe they're actually worth uh, in today's game because everybody has a little bit of power with the juice ball. And maybe you didn't, you know, you could have targeted some other guys. But they, I think they felt like they were getting the better end of the deal every time they traded for one of these guys, or they wouldn't have done it. Or Yeah, exactly. And, and I think that's just sort of what happened. It was all about the inter- incremental gains. You know, I'm just trying to say, look, we'll get a little better with this trade. We're trading a bad player for a less bad player. And yeah. that's what happens when that's what you're trying to do. If, you're, if you don't want to trade your top pieces or spend a lot of money, which they didn't want to do either of those things, you're going to get flawed players and... When you have a bunch of flawed players, you end up with a lineup that doesn't hit. That said, I don't think this. There's anybody on this coaching staff who's that is preaching patience. They, they maybe they're preaching you know get a good pitch to hit that kind of thing. But actual, be patient, make the the pitcher work for everything is doesn't appear to be their primary language that they use. Uh, I mean, maybe not. It was hard to to speak to something like that from the outside. I mean, they do have some guys who are walking at pretty decent clips. You mentioned Derek Sogard. Justin Smoke's doing it. Even Danny Jansen is is drawing walks. He's just not getting any hits. Yeah, I'm so, just saying from the you know the conversations about when they have a loss and it, it doesn't go well, and they people ask questions about the offense. Charlie Montoyo does not say um, we need to be more patient and grind out at bats. That's not the language he uses. No. And but I go what, what they say publicly might be very different from what they say privately. Possible, but I'm going with the evidence I have. Sure. All right, hit me with number two. So this one came in actually last week, but after we recorded, so he asked us to do it this week. Because from Curtis Butcher at Curtis Butcher one. Yeah. What kind of impact could trading Stroman, Giles, and or Sanchez have on the pitching depth of the big club and the few developing arms in the farm system? Um, with the number of guys learning on the job at the major league level now, I, I don't think you'd necessarily hurt anything. But then again, on the flip side, you've already got Edwin Jackson starting. Uh, so there is there any depth really in the, in the minor leagues? Well, I, I think what you're seeing is that the guys in the big leagues now are the guys that they want to be in the big leagues now. And you're not seeing... You know, Yenzi Diaz or Patrick Murphy or Andrew Sopko or, you know, Sean Reed Foley 
David Paulino, like all these guys, they don't want them up in the big leagues right now. Like Paulino's actually throwing pretty well in Buffalo, but they want him developing. So I think if you do trade Sanchez and Stroman and don't get major league ready pitching back, Giles, I don't think has much of an effect. He's a reliever. Uh, then you're going to see some cracks. Because I don't think anyone wants to see Sean Morimondo starting games. Um, yeah, I think maybe when you get that major league guy back, he is, you know, he's that other team's sixth starter, much like the Edwin Jackson-ish. No, that's situation. not what I was talking about. I was talking about, like, if they trade Stroman right. and something for teams like double or triple A prospect, who's like a legit guy, you can bring that guy to the big leagues. Okay, fair enough. Right. And I think that's I assume that's what they're going to try to do. I mean, if the idea is to win with the current window of players, which is Vlad, Bo, Biggio, Goriel, et cetera, et cetera, you want guys who are ready to contribute in your trades. You're not trading for guys in A-ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, question three. Uh, Gideon Turk asks at Gideon2RK, but his account uh, looks like it's locked. So good luck. You can apply to follow him. How much of this terrible team do you guys have to watch every week in order to talk about them on a podcast for an hour? More than is <laughs> enjoyable at times? Um, theoretically, I suppose we could do it without watching and fake it. Yeah. I mean, we only talk about it for an hour, so yeah. you, you watch for an hour, you're pretty much even, but, right? <laughs> yeah. But if you're recording a podcast about the team every week, during a season that's going like this one, you're probably still watching a little bit just because you love baseball to the point where you're masochistic. Yeah, I would say that the odds of me watching an entire game start to finish are pretty much nil. But if I if I'm around a radio and I know a game's on and I'm doing something else, or if I'm you know I'm uh, I've got one screen open on my computer and I'm doing something, I, I will have the game open on another tab um, fairly often. Just so yeah. I could say, yes, I saw that. Or, oh, did you notice this? Or, man, they really don't know how to hit. Yeah. Next. All right. This one comes from Dave Goss at Dave Goss 81 What are some things we should be watching for this season since wins aren't question mark? <laughs> uh, that, that is a tough, a tough thing. I, I think, um, for me, you, you could develop an appreciation for... Uh, some of the other really good players in the league who you're going to get a chance to see. There was someone the other day tweeting about um, Mike Trout, and Mike Trout is probably the greatest baseball player, um, certainly of this generation, and maybe the greatest baseball player who ever lived. Most people have seen less than 45 minutes of his play uh, who watch baseball even regularly. Maybe it's time to, uh, you know, if you have an MLB TV subscription, maybe it's time to go and check out a... uh, a Mike Trout game, or if somebody good is coming in, like Fernando Tatis Jr. with the Padres, uh, maybe it's time to watch him and, and see what makes him really, really good and, and have so much potential. Yeah. You want another All question? Right. I think that's a good answer. <laughs> I mean, that's, you know, I guess if the question is things to be watching for the season on the Blue Jays, mm. then it's the kids and seeing how they develop and see if they see some growth you know like Biggio see if he starts hitting breaking balls and hitting major league pitching a bit more because the walks are there the power isn't there and the contact isn't there 
see how Lourdes Goriel takes a left field. Obviously, the early signs are good, as we talked about, but see if that continues. Even Jessica Hernandez in center field. So things like that. Zanny Green at Trillimo Pena asks uh, a lot of things. But we'll start with this. The Jays have traded a lot of veterans for prospects in the last few years, but off the top of my head, only Teoscar had made any real impact. Am I forgetting anyone? Is it just too soon to tell? Should we be concerned about how the Jays scout other teams' minor league talent? And then a follow-up question, should I just chill out? (laughs) (laughs) Um, You should probably just chill out a little bit on this one. The guys that you're seeing in the big leagues... I mean, the Jays actually have traded, traded for a lot of minor league talent that's close to the big leagues. It's been like Brandon Drury and Billy McKinney and stuff like that. But the guys that are actually in the minors, some of them are doing not bad. You know, I mean, Forrest Wall is having a fantastic season in AA. He's hitting 299 with a 393 on base and a 455 slugging. Andrew Sopko did really well in AA. He hasn't taken to his AAA promotion that well to start, but, you know, like. It's certainly something that could turn around. And I mentioned David Paulino doing well in Buffalo. So, I mean, they've they've gotten some performance out of these prospects, just not the ones at the big league level. I think the other thing that, that is good to remember is, is, you know, there are not a lot of major league jobs. Most prospects fail. So you're even, you know, a, a sure thing um, isn't isn't that easy to trade for. So I think if you looked at a lot of other teams, quote unquote, prospect halls, you would find that they were actually, you know, in the in the two, three, four year window that you might have been expecting them. They, they weren't all that um, productive. Yeah. And well, and especially too, like you're talking about these these trades, right? The Jays weren't exactly trading high end pieces in their attempts to get these prospects. I mean, like Ronnie Brito and Sopko came for Russell Martin. Yeah, it's like some odd Taylor for Steve Pierce. Actually, no, he was in the uh, the the Joe Smith trade. But I mean, it's like middle relievers and and backups and Aaron Loop, right, for Jacob Waggis back. So, you know, the only top shelf pieces they've actually traded are Jay Happ, who they traded for big leaguers, and Josh Donaldson, who was injured. So. You're not going to see elite returns. I mean, if you want to talk about trades for prospects, Trent Thornton is probably the best example. Um, and then one more thought. Um, he was uh, he was just sorry. He's basically saying that people have have fallen down or off the prospect list. But uh, I think what what like you were alluding to really happens is that some of those guys haven't had time to get up to the level of you know, AAA on that list where you really know if, if they have fallen off or not. That baseball is awfully slow in the development process. Yeah. Next. Next, this is from Jurassic Luke at Split Letters. Inspired by the Raptors and people chanting, We the North. Oh, that's in parentheses. Fan chants are awesome. What should Jays fans adopt to hype up the team? Um, sign free agents sign free agents that doesn't hype up the team at all (laughs) I don't think hyping up this team is going to help that's my problem (laughs) what do you think it's hard to come up with hype hype slogans when the team is this bad take a walk again not helping up the team (laughs) that's chanting at them to do something different oh man 
Um, we, we well, you can't do bleed blue because that's the cubbies. We yeah. have Vlad. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, the let's, the the OK Blue Jay song is lacking in the creative lyric department as well. Yeah. Sorry, we're you're you're on your own, Luke. Uh, Aaron Polsky at Polsky twenty nine. How I many? I think it might be Polsky. Really, Aaron, tell us how it is. Is it Polsky or Polsky? <laughs> and then I will mispronounce it anyway. How many days of the? How many of the current members of the twenty five man roster will be on the opening day roster in twenty twenty? He's having a hard time getting to ten, and I will presume that's purely uh, a roster thing and not a counting thing. That was an attempt at a joke. I apologize. Who do we have in the 25-man roster? So, Biagini will be on there. Yeah. He's the only pitcher who I can say definitely will be, or, or very likely will be. You could probably say Trent Thornton. So, those two guys. Uh-huh. Uh, Tim Mesa. So, those are your three relievers. And there's none of the starters, I can assume, will be back. Uh, Danny Jansen's four. Biggio, Guerrero, Tellez is... Six, seven, seven. I'm counting. And Grichuk, Guriel, eight. You eight. can say Teoscar Hernandez probably be on the roster. So nine, yeah, nine or ten guys. Brandon Drury. So ten guys. This is about right. We're we gonna bring Luke Melee back. I would be surprised. <laughs> Lukey Barrels, looking for greener pastures. Does that uh, conclude our questions? That's the top of my list. That is it. That's list. it for the questions. Well, thanks again, folks. Uh, you do keep it uh, interesting because. Uh, yeah, sometimes we get a little down in the uh, down in the dumps about this, and uh, you're always thinking about different stuff. We have a different angle. Uh, we have uh, something to hand out. One of these. I think that's rather brilliant. So I did good, right? I mean, I would have thought you'd get a gold star. You enjoy that. You've earned it. You wanted to go one step farther when we talked about this uh, before the podcast. Not just a gold star. Platinum star. <laughs> the platinum star. Stand back, everybody. Max Muncy could be our recipient of a platinum star. Uh, Max Muncy did something unremarkable last week. He hit a home run. Uh, and then I think Madison Bumgarner, uh, well, he had a home run into McCovey Cove. So I guess that's kind of remarkable. Yeah. Then Madison Bumgarner decided that uh, it was going to get a whole lot more attention than just a home run into McCovey Cove. <laughs> yeah, he got a little upset. I mean, I'd be upset, too, if I was a pitcher and someone just, just stomped all over my pitch like that. But that's not what you want to give him the gold star for. Tell us why. Well, it wasn't the it wasn't just for hitting the bomb, which no, was no. a nice bomb. I was seeing a lefty, a lefty go deep into the, into the cove. It's always pretty. But <laughs> so Bumgarner was drawing at him. And then after the, the game, they asked Muncie what he said back to Bumgarner. And he said, I just told him if he doesn't want me to watch the ball, go get it out of the ocean. <laughs> Oh, that was lovely. Yeah. yeah. I will pimp my home run until you go swimming. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty funny. Yeah, I mean, if, yeah. You, if you're going to throw a little shade out there, that's the way I want to see it done. And then, But Bumgarner had an interesting response to this, right? We talk about the silliness of getting super upset over guys pimping home runs and things like that, right? Mm-hmm. I think that there's a little bit of a disconnect there. And Bumgarner said this right. He said, quote, I can't even say it with a straight face, but the more I think about it, I should just let the kids play. But I just, I can't. 
They want to let everybody be themselves. Then let me be myself. That's me. He's a fiery guy who gets upset when, you know, like it just happens. And as, and I think that there's some, something about that, right? It's like a lot of people in the game aren't the flashy pimp, the, the home run types and guys get upset about it. Like, and I don't think it's crazy to get upset. The, the crazy part is when you start throwing baseballs at people. And that's fair. But my take on that was if you're going to be upset, that's okay. You, your your heart is in the game and you, you're having an emotional response. Just as one guy's really happy, you're really mad. And if you want to let that out, that's fine. But the idea that he's upset at Max Muncie for me is hilarious. The guy who he's really upset at is Madison Bumgarner. Right, but he can't yell at himself and not look like a total idiot. He's mad no, that that I, pitch I, was not the pitch I, he wanted. That's that's the like if you don't like it, pitch better, basically. But like, he's not mad that he hit the bomb. He's mad at the way the guy reacts to hitting the bomb. See, and I'm like, well, then then what? You got your feelings hurt because so your feelings weren't no, hurt no, no, by the fact it, that it, that he dropped a bomb on you that 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 literally went into an ocean, uh, but your feelings were hurt and you're 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 a little upset because he stood there and watched it and you don't want to be shown up for your badness. Yeah, and I don't think that's irrational. I mean, Bob Garner tends to be a little quick on the trigger with these things right he gets upset more than other people but just more the concept of what he's saying this like if this is who i am i'm not going to change for you why should i have to change who i am when other people don't have to change who they are but he's asking max muncie to change no he's just getting upset he's not saying don't do it he's just upset in the moment yeah yeah he he did he said to max muncie don't watch the ball start running yeah, and then so afterwards you're... he didn't have a problem with it though. Like that's the thing; it's, it's it's upset in the moment. Like you can't tell a guy to change his emotional reaction to something. That's just not rational. I, and 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 the guy who's not reacting rationally is not going to have an emotion. Not going to say something rational to somebody else, as you just pointed out. I just think that you know, there's a lot of things he could have said. Um, you know, he can say "get over yourself," you know, but but telling him. Uh, you better start running. That th- th- I think that my problem with that is there's an implied threat there. You I don't better think there st- is. Well, you better start running or... Or the next time, you better start running or what? Or I, or I won't like it? That's not, that's not what he meant. <laughs> I think assuming a threat there is taking it too far. Um. Again, what, but, my, but anyway, you're you're taking this to the very specific. I was more taking to the general about what Bumgarner was saying. This idea that you know they, that everybody has to conform to one idea or another is exactly what people are saying out loud now, right? It, it's the opposite. It's just basically the other ideal. It used to be no one should flip their bat, no one should do anything. It's not the way the game is played. And now it's everybody should be okay with everybody flipping their bats and doing everything. Well. You're still telling what you're still telling people who don't think one way to do something the other way. It's just the other people. Yeah, and I, I, and I, I understand that. I don't think that's totally equivalent, though, because nobody I, I don't see anyone calling anyone out and going, hey, why did you put your head down and trot real quick around the bases? You should have shown off like nobody's doing no, but that. That's not anybody. the point. You're just telling people to act against their instincts. That's what you're doing. And that's what he's saying. That doesn't mean that he should not. You know, we look in the mirror and say, like, maybe I shouldn't get as upset about these things. But I do think it's okay to get upset if that's just the way your emotional reaction to something. Yeah, you just well, shouldn't. The, the 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 issue becomes when you start making it where you're throwing baseballs at people. Right. 
I don't think you and I are going to see eye to eye on this because I, I think that the, the natural extension of what Bumgarner was doing is uh, not throwing baseballs at anybody's head or anything, but there's a, there's an implied um, uh, I don't like that and, and what other way am I going to retaliate to not liking that if I'm a pitcher? See, that, that takes the, exactly out of what he said, though, right? His point was that, like, that's his emotional reaction. The next time the guy comes up to a bat, that reaction's gone. Right? The emotion is out of the moment, and that's the whole point. Like, if it's just a, a natural emotional reaction to something, and you're upset, and you yell something, and then once that moment's over, that moment is over, I don't really see a problem with it. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's hard to measure whether a guy's holding a grudge or not, I guess, is, is kind of... I mean, if, if if every guy who was demonstrative on the mound was was within each inning, you know, happy or sad about what was going on in that inning and didn't carry it around with him later, you know, but we see guys in the locker room all the time who are angry about their performance well after the fact and haven't calmed down about it. Um, but that's anger at their performance, not anger at another person or not, not a moment, right? seen that too. Different, different thing entirely. <laughs> No, I, I don't think... Okay, you and I are not going to agree on this one. Nope. All right. Fair. Chew on that, audience. <laughs> <clears throat> oh, my goodness. Uh, I think we have talked about most things that uh, we were going to talk about this week, which means I guess I have an opportunity to ask you for a final thought. Yes, Bichette is back in AAA and hopefully in the Major League soon because it'd be really nice to start watching more top prospects and not... You know, I like Freddie Galvis. I enjoy him. And Eric Sogard's been good, but it's, it's pointless. You mean Freddie Galvis is like this week's 138, 138, 138 slash line or something? See, he's actually a great shortstop, but I'm really happy he's on the team. But it's just, I, if the team is going nowhere, I at least want to watch the future. Yeah, and it was actually kind of cool. I, I'm, 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 I don't have a final thought. I'm just going to piggyback on that by saying today, uh, Kevin Biggio walked, uh, Vlad Guerrero Jr. hit a single, and um, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. walked in sequence. One, two, three. And I'm like, wow. You know what? A little bit longer lineup, and and those names really could sound good together, getting on base all the time. That would be good. To the future, sir. (laughs) Uh, Which means we're headed off to one week in the future, which may include one more W at least than than this week did. Which is to say that you have been Joshua Housem at Joshua Housem, and I have been Greg Wisniewski at Coolhead 2010, and this has been Artificial Turf Wars, episode number 146, and we'll talk at you next week. (laughs) 